no one likes leaving the comfort zone, <laughs> but change forces you to leave your comfort zone, your known area. But this is also an aspect why it's important to start early because you also need to transport the vision, why you change, why you transform things. Because if people don't understand why things are changing and what is the greater strategy, they will have it even harder to, to change themselves and their behavior. Don't conduct your analysis in isolation because data is so incredibly powerful. Not defending just the tribe, but defending the organization. Those creative people that you really want to keep empowered, keep excited, keep motivated, keep thinking. Good experience pays dividends down the line. Stereotypes tend to break down in proximity. Welcome to We're Only Human, a podcast about human resources, business, technology, and the workplace. My name is Ben Eubanks, your host, and I'm so glad you're here. Hey there, welcome to We're Only Human. I'm Ben Eubanks, and I'm really glad to have you here with us. Today, we're going to talk to Manuela Breed from Siemens. We're going to hear about some of the insights. You got the teaser there at the beginning on how to change at an organizational level. And we all know that you can't hit a button or flip a switch. Change at an organizational level is change at an individual level magnified across the enterprise. And so Manuela will talk us through some of those insights, how it works, what it takes, but we're also going to dive into some insights into just change overall and what it takes to lead that better from a real and trusted expert who does this every single day. Thank you to the IBM team for helping to put us together, bring you this episode. They are doing great work on change transformation for organizations, and we appreciate them for this intro to Manuela to help bring her story and Siemens story to the forefront here. I hope you enjoy the conversation. You know, some of our brand new data that we have out, just as a teaser for you, show that while the headlines say that every worker is majority of workers are looking for remote work. Our research actually shows that people want what they've got. And that's a, in a microcosm shows how the human mind works. We want to hold on to what's known, what's stable, what's expected. And so in the research, we asked people, are you working hybrid right now? If they said yes, they, the majority of them want to stay hybrid. We asked people, are you working remotely right now? Do you want to stay that way? The majority said yes. And we also asked people, are you working in an office, at a work location, at a physical work site? And if so, do you want to stay there? And the majority said yes. So what we have is what we want, what we want to keep. And as you and I both know, one of the hardest things we have to do as HR and talent leaders is actually change how people think, how they believe, what they do. Changing their actions, their behaviors is the most rewarding, but also the hardest part of our job. So Manuel will give us some insights today on how to do that at a tactical level and a strategic level through the case study of what Siemens has done in their own organization. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, welcome to We're Only Human. I'm really glad to have you here. We finished the research this year about HR and HCM implementations and transformations and how that factors into these bigger organizational changes we're all seeing. And the data are interesting for sure, but I found that a lot of the nuances, the decision points, those kinds of things are the most interesting and important parts of these projects. And it's hard to get at that in a survey. So we actually are gonna dive into that today with Manuela Breed from Siemens. We're gonna talk about how they made these decisions, how they approached this, what sort of things they were looking at from the employee experience perspective, all those kind of things and more. So I'm really excited for this. Manuela, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ben. Hi, everyone. 
So glad to have you here. So before we dive into some of those things I was setting up for the audience, will you take a minute and tell us who you are and what you do, please? Sure. So I'm based in Germany, in Munich, um, and I have two kids and a husband, little kids. And in my work, in my profession, I'm communication and change management consultant. I also studied organizational change management at the university here in Germany. And I already had the chance, the opportunity to bring a lot of uh, different topics and projects um, to life and to change, transform a lot of projects already. What's fun for me as someone with an HR background is we always talk about this big idea that we have for things. And at the very end, someone's like, oh yeah, change management. And so I'm so excited to hear from you because you, that is your dedicated role. You get a chance to step into these things. So I know that Siemens has been going through this tremendous transformation. What was the vision for that? Yes, there is a tremendous transformation ongoing. So um, an HR transformation, basically, but not only HR. It's a transformation on also affecting the end users like employees and managers. And the vision here really was to move to standardized, state-of-the-art, modern technology and to really improve user experiences and digitalize the HR processes and all the employee lifecycle processes, um, basically. So um, really to got away, uh, get away from those legacy systems, Siemens is a global company with footprints in, in a lot of countries. And as you can imagine, maybe all those countries have a personal and own HR system, a historic system, which was grown in the past. And now they face the situation that there's a lot of different systems and the idea here was also to merge and harmonize to, to one single source of truth, so to say, and one global system with a lot more transparency and visibility on the workforce. One of the, one of the stories that I love to tell is I talked to a, a leader a couple of years ago, head of HR for an organization that was global. And he said, the thing that triggered our change was when our CEO asked for an employee headcount number and he got four different answers from four different leaders. So some <laughs> of those, so you're talking about getting back to a single source of truth. We know what's happening in the business because we're, we're trying to pull this all together into one place, one system. So that's a, that is not a small task to undertake, right? Anyone who's listening yeah. to this that's, that's had those responsibilities is there along with you. One of the things I want to ask you is when we're approaching one of those changes on that global scale, every country has their own unique culture, right? Their own starting point where they might be currently and what they're going to move into. Talk about how that fits into this bigger picture of this transformation that you've been working on. Yeah, that's a very important topic that you are stating here with the different starting points in the countries and the different cultures. First of all, we are not um, bringing the new system, the new way of working to all countries at once. So we do it one by one and a lot of countries in parallel, but each of them has a different um, phase or progress level where they are in. And it's very important really to consider all those specific um, country situations. As you mentioned, the culture is a big point, a crucial point, because in, in some countries you talk about actions, you talk about certain tasks and uh, things to do. And after the call, you, you just end the meeting and then you have the feeling there was something which no one talked about and something is still not clear. And this is 
most of the times a culture topic. We, for example, started to have a culture survey in the beginning. So when we start working together with the local colleagues to set up our whole change management and communication approach, in the very beginning, try to understand how this people in, in this country think and act. What is the culture and how is it different from our culture? So what are the things we need to be careful on when um, collaborating together and uh, where, where do we need to point an, an extra eye on to make sure there's nothing um, going in the wrong direction at some point in time. Mm. So this is uh, one thing. And also you can imagine, as I said, when those technology is coming to the different countries and each um, current system or legacy system had a different setup it's also a different impact for the people right it's a different way they are coming from the current situation and how they are how they need to change to to cope with the future situation and um, for some people it's a really big change for others it's um, only a minor change maybe so also very important things to to consider in our journey your comment on the culture survey reminded me that thinking back to your background, your training, your focus, and your role is around change management and communication. Mm -hmm. I, made that, I kind of made that offhand comment at the beginning that companies often leave that for the last step for consideration. And you and I both know that's probably going to lead to more problems, more issues. They may actually complete the project, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be more difficult than it would have been than if they planned that from the beginning. Yeah. I'm curious if you have a recommendation for the people listening in, right? There are other, their HR, their talent leaders like yourself, and they may not have a dedicated Manuela on their staff to help them make those decisions. What is a recommendation you might give them when they're thinking about, we've got this project in front of us that could be HR tech implementation. It could be, we're changing this process. We're digitizing we're, all mm -hmm. these possibilities. What recommendation might you give them when it comes to change management and communication and the work that you get to do today? to help them be successful? I think the, the most important thing is really, as you said, to consider communication and change management activities very early in the project phase. So even as soon as you have decided to do a certain change or a project which changes something or transforms something, and as soon as you have a high-level idea on how it will look like, uh, to already start preparing for the change management topics because for example here in, in Siemens when we um, implement the new HR system and process and um, change the way we work we already start at least one year before the actual go live with all our communication change management activities because it's simply a lot of things to do and a lot of things to really take care on as early as possible so that's my um, yeah, biggest recommendation, as you said, not to start too late, but really to give it a high priority and start early. Almost, it's almost hard to start too early with something that, that the bigger it is, the earlier you need to start, I would imagine. Is that true? So it's definitely harder if, if you don't have the clear picture yet in mind um, how the future's day, the final situation will look like, but you can always develop along the way and you need to start somewhere and always starting early, for example, also means doing basic things like analyzing your stakeholders, analyzing who are the people 
who need to be involved early, who need to have a say or to decide something and who are the people who will be impacted most and what is our main target group and what do we need to do with those people? At the end, oh, sorry. At the end change is always based on people, right? So it's the people that change. That is one of my favorite sayings about the work <laughs> that we get to do. It's, we, we talk about, it's easy to get hooked into the data or to think about this process but it's most of the time it's about behavior change for people, getting them to be okay with some change that's coming along, getting them to adapt or respond to some changing conditions. And we, for better or for worse, HR people have, you know, we're, we're amateur psychologists and some, in some ways we're thinking about how are they gonna respond to this? What can we do to, to ease this change or to make sure that it's adopted properly? And so we're always thinking that lens of, we've got to get them to, sometimes to do something that they didn't plan to do. Maybe sometimes they don't want to do, but at the end of the day, it's going to be good for the organization. It's going to be good for them long-term, but we as people, we naturally want to hold on to what we have instead of, even if something better is right around the corner, we want to hold on to what we have because it's comfortable. It's known, yeah. you know, it's, it's a known quantity. It's the comfort zone, right? And no one likes leaving the comfort zone, <laughs> but change forces you to leave your comfort zone, your known area. But this is also an aspect why it's important to start early because you also need to transport the why, the vision, why you change, why you transform things. Because if people don't understand why things are changing and what is the greater strategy, the greater vision behind and what, what is the benefit also for them, they will have it even harder to, to change themselves and their behavior. Yes, for sure. I'm glad you brought that up. That was... I was going to ask you about it. I think you answered the question there about how to bring managers and the workforce as, as a whole into this vision, because we as, we as leaders sometimes, and I'll point the finger at myself because I've been guilty of this, we make a decision because we have access to all the information that we need to make this decision. And then we, we convey the decision we've made without casting the bigger vision for what's ahead, what we see as the benefit, what we see as the opportunity this is going to open up once we've taken these steps. We just leave and we assume everybody else has all that information that we used to make the decision at hand, and that's not true. And so you're talking yeah. here about making sure we bring the rest of those people into this so that they're a part of it. It's not just being put on them, but they're a part of this bigger change and they play a key role in helping to be successful. Exactly. So we also, for example, follow this ATCAR methodology. I don't know if you have heard about it. I have um, heard about it, but for the audience's benefit, would you explain it really quickly? Sure. So ATCAR is an acronym. It stands for awareness, desire, ability, knowledge, knowledge, ability, and the other way around, <laughs> and uh, reinforcement. So basically, the, the idea here is that, um, as I said, change happens on the people side. So every individual needs to go through this change in order to successfully manage this change. Every individual needs to have the awareness why the change is necessary, have um, the desire to change. So to understand what's the benefit, what's in it for me, have the ability to really do the change and the knowledge and um, how it works. So this uh, relates to training activities, for example, and the reinforcement in the end to make sure the new behavior, the new way of working, the, the new whatever situation is also sticking and people are not falling back into old behaviors and old way of working. 
question around that last one, if you don't mind, the, the, the reinforcement, how to keep people from slipping back because we, you and I, you talked about comfort zone a minute ago. I talked about how this is about behavior change. And sometimes we go through all these, all this efforts and all this work. And then we end with this thing that people are trying to, trying to avoid or trying to do workarounds. And I'm trying to think of the, the right question to ask here. It might just be more of an awareness for, for the audience than a question necessarily. That is, that is, don't assume that people are going to end this with the same in the same headspace and the same awareness and agreement with everything else that's that's gone on in this vision that we have there will be people that are resistant to that to the very very end even after it's been put into place the old way was better or i like this or and mm. that there may not be a, a solution to that i don't i'd be curious to, to get your input on that because you and i both know there are some people who are excited they are the champions they can't wait for this to happen they are you know taking extra steps they're, they're stepping into volunteer they want this to go there's the big middle of this normal distribution of people that are like i'll go along with it because it's just part of this of the workload but then there's a portion of people at the very end the tail end of that that are clinging to whatever was comfortable or pushing off because they don't think it's the right direction and those are the ones that they need, they need a little more encouragement. They need a little more focus maybe than the rest of the group. Any suggestions or advice on how to handle that? Or just, is, yeah. it, is it okay to just say, hey, this is going to happen. All of you out there that are listening to this, you just need to be aware of that. And it's just a reality. I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Definitely. In every change, you will have people who are like early adopters or promoters who right from the beginning love what you do and support it you will have people a bit uncertain and not sure if they like it or if they maybe are more against it and you will always have people right from the beginning who say mm, i don't like it i don't support it my recommendation is because as i said you always have people who don't like it even from the beginning and even if they did not hear much about it maybe don't spend too much time on trying to convince the the blockers so to say concentrate more on those big group in the middle who is unsure and uncertain on if they want to promote it or not if they like it or not because those are the ones if you convince them and if you make them aware and uh, share the vision With them, they are the ones who can bring your change to success because you will always have people who don't like it in the end. But the most important point here is to uh, not let this be the majority. So to make sure the majority one uh, majority of people is positive for this change. Don't let them. Don't let them bring you down. I'm gonna re I'm gonna summarize that a little. Don't let that bring you down because that's gonna happen. That's a reality. And yes, you, you see this because it's your job to manage change projects on a regular basis. And for the rest of us, sometimes like, we do that intermittently. It's not a, a daily thing where we're trying to, to, to adopt this new process or to push out this change. And so we, it's easy to forget those things sometimes. So I'm taking some heart from that, some encouragement from that, that even someone who's formally trained in this, who thinks about this every day, who is as steeped in this idea as you can possibly be, you are still you know in agreement on that. One of the things that I... We talked about vision, we talked about impact and things like that. And I'd love to hear from you, what has been the impact on the, of this change on the business, on the workforce, or, or both of those, if you don't mind weaving those together, because we, I think both of those are going to receive some value from this, or the business will get some things, and you've hinted at those a little bit, I think, and the workforce mm -hmm. are going to get some benefits from this too. Will you talk about those, please? 
Yes, sure. So for the workforce, it will be a step further into a more digitalized way world and a more digitalized way of working, also more independency, right? So people are not dependent um, so much anymore on availability of HR people, for example, because it's a lot of self-service processes change also. They can initiate processes anywhere, anytime, on any device. And even the velocity of those processes, they initiate the, the changes. I don't know. I need to change my legal name because I just married. It's not that they need to send an email and wait for someone to make it happen. Trigger the process, trigger the change in the system. And it's popping up at the right person, a pool of HR people and any of them is able to act on it and make it happen. And as soon as this HR person, for example, submits um, or approves the change, it's already uh, in the system. So it's integrated with other systems and it will appear everywhere where necessary. I would say the impact is or the benefit is also more flexibility, uh, faster processes, more automation also, more built-in review steps or also where the tool guides you and checks if you have entered the, the relevant information in order to process the change. And yeah, it's also depending on the country. For some people, it's a bigger change to to do this as a self-service, to do this in a digital way, because in some countries they have not been used to such kind of self-service. Um, self But for other countries, they are, for example, used already to self-service, but now it's uh, different processes or maybe even more they can do now. Also, the managers will be um, a lot more empowered and have more ownership. So it's also something we... We have in our vision to foster ownership culture and to empower our managers. They have the chance now to trigger certain changes themselves or approve even uh, certain things without always connecting for each tiny thing to HR. So HR, the role of HR is also changing more from, from the maker to the checker. So the, the way the HR processes are designed now is for example that the people or the person who has the demand needs to trigger the process in the system and then it and shows up at the uh, corresponding HR person to work on it and react on it and approve or review or whatever step is necessary. It's also a change in responsibility and who starts processes, who acts on processes and what are you able to trigger yourself. <laughs> yes, yes. And you were, well, you asked a, you mentioned a term in there. I was trying to figure, I was trying to go back to my notes and see that really quickly because you mentioned the velocity of change in there. And I loved hearing about these ways that the, these common steps, these common things that in some cases are very ordinary and just a commonplace thing. I've got to change my address. I've got to, right, I've got to update this basic piece of information. But sometimes it's, there's something that may be emotional. I've got to take leave. I've got this, I've got a, I've got this issue that I need some support for and things like that. And so I, I like that it. it's creating this universal kind of front door for everyone to pass through. So they, they know where that is instead of saying, I've got a problem. I've got to call a manager, I'm managers and your manager says, I don't know. I've never had that problem. And they don't know 
like where to go and you it's, it's hard to figure out where to take the next step so i love that it, it gives them a, a common front door for any sort of request they have and it can route that to the right person i think those sorts of things again especially in a very large organization it's one thing if you have 100 people yeah. or 500 people when you have thousands and thousands of people like siemens that that is a requirement almost for being able to lead them and support the people. And even processes happen faster or are completed faster because you can imagine an employee is, is raising, I don't know, a leave request, for example, and it pops up at the manager's end to approve. Now um, it's also possible to, to do everything on the mobile app or let's say nearly everything <laughs> on the mobile app. So the manager could just, I don't know, on the car or on the way to the office on in any given situation, see the that there is a new request on the mobile phone and just click on approve. And now five minutes later, the employee already has the, the leave request approved. So it's really faster processing of those um, requests even. Okay. I think I finally figured out the question I was going to ask you there because there were several things I wanted to ask all at once and I can't do that. So <laughs> one of the, the terms you used was a velocity of change. And I know I've asked you some bigger picture questions about the strategy behind change management, things like that. But I, I'm going to be honest, I haven't had someone on the show in the past who that was their focus. And I'm using this opportunity to ask you some things that I hear on a regular basis from other talent leaders, from other HR leaders. So You're, our, inform, you're our, our expert in addition to telling the Siemens story on change overall. So I'm, I'm taking this opportunity for that. You mentioned this mm -hmm. idea of, of change velocity, and I've never thought about it that way. In that, in that way, I don't, it's not popped in my head. And the question I has, have is if we have to make a change quickly, there's something coming, a new legislation, a new you know, government requirement, or a new something like that, that that might require a quick change. Is there a different approach to that than if you have a process like you've talked through here where we have a longer time to ramp up and plan and prepare is it different or is it just compressed we have to do all those things in a shorter amount of time i don't know what the um, answer is to that i'd be curious to hear about that change velocity concept so i think if you have a limited time available to bring your change to life for sure you need to adapt you it's not that you do all those steps just in a compressed time so because at the end you will simply go crazy <laughs> but i think um <laughs> there are some important things to really make sure they happen and may maybe they happen a little differently then so for example one thing i think would be very important is to provide transparency very early so to provide really the vision and the transparency on why this change is necessary and what exactly is the change to really communicate a lot. Because if you have a limited time frame, it's all about communication at the end. So to let the people know, to include them, for sure, if you have more time available, you can do it in a very sophisticated way or it can set up an ambassador network, for example. But these are things usually need some time to prepare and to set it up and to take some lead time. But for short-term changes, I would say it's all about setting transparency and setting the vision why the change is necessary and why it's also beneficial to change. And then also at the end, people need to be able to change. So coming back to the ATCAR model, even if they have understood why the change is necessary and what's it all about, they still need to be able to, to live it actually. So you still uh, need to provide whatever is necessary, be it training, be it an, a mindset change or 
something like this. Um, you cannot skip this part usually, but you need to adapt then how you do it in a short but effective way. Wonderful. Thank you for, for putting up with, with some of those questions like that, because I, I think that you are in a, in a tremendous source of in, information and insight into how those things work, not just in a theoretical example, but as you're talking through these, I'm probably imagining that you're thinking through, oh yeah, here's one of those short-term changes we had, or here's one of those quick responses we had to do, or here's, and obviously as we talk through the story today, there's this bigger change than going on at Siemens and, and you've given us great examples and insights and how those steps are planned and what it takes to do that. And I've gotten so many great ideas over here from your insights. And I really appreciate for hanging out with us. If you, I'll fix that. Um, I thank you so much for hanging out with us and sharing with us. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we wrap up? Anything to that you might want to reiterate? Like this is the big thing or anything else you want to share about the, the bigger change that's going on at Siemens before we wrap up the conversation today? Maybe just one more thing regarding, I, I just mentioned the ambassador network. You could, for example, do to raise awareness and promote your change. So this is something we really recommend to do and we utilize heavily in our country changes because this, these kind of ambassadors are people from the business, people outside of your project, managers, employees, and they are the ones who can be the eyes and ears in the business and can, uh, who can uh, spread the word and promote the change, the strategy, the why and the what. And um, also after the go live, after the, the change has happened, they can be a helping hand for their colleagues. So not in, in a way of being a formal trainer, but rather in an informal way, your colleague is coming around and saying, hey, I have recognized you are working on this or you have been involved in this project. Can you tell me something about it in, in this kind of way? And this is, as we experience, a really good way to support the change and to bring the awareness into the people and to the employees and managers. Do you select or invite ambassadors or do you let them raise their hand and volunteer for that? Because it seems like they'd need to have a little bit of an inclination you know, a leaning to do that? What's How would you recommend someone do that? It's a bit a cultural thing I have realized. Okay. I would recommend to do a, a two-step approach. So to, on the one hand, nominate some people, because usually people in HR um, know certain people who always are keen on new things and innovative topics and who would like to support that kind of things. This uh, could be one, one part of how to get um, ambassadors, but I would also recommend really to use this voluntary part. So you could use um, your enterprise social network if you have some or whatever platform or communication channel you have to announce that there is a project going on and some preparations and you would uh, want some voluntary people to support this and show some benefits, what's in it for them, what is the, the benefit they have if they promote it. So in our case, for example, it's that they have also access to a global team and stay up to date, be, are the front runners and the pioneers and get a lot more background and insights than the, the usual employee would get in the whole journey you need to promote why is it good why is it cool 
for them to join this network. But I, I would recommend really to do both ways, just to be sure to have enough, because also it's necessary to have um, a certain number of people. So it's always a bit depending on how big your population is. So if you have, I don't know, 10,000 employees, you should have at least, I don't know, 300 ambassadors. Otherwise, it's not helping so much. But if, if there's this voluntary aspect, you have another kind of motivation compared to this person has been nominated, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. I, I really like that. I think that's a tremendous approach. And thank you for sharing even like a ballpark number because we can, people who are listening in can figure out, okay, for my company, I'm a tenth that size, so I need this many, or I'm twice that size, so I need this many. So I think even giving them a little bit of a benchmark to think about as a place to start, that was incredibly mm -hmm. helpful. Goodness, I'm so glad you, you brought that back as kind of a last piece of that. Again, I started the conversation today with you about how we, we sometimes, we often as, as leaders think about change as the, the last step in a bigger transformation process. And it's, you know, we should be doing these things all throughout, as you've shared today with many examples and stories and illustrations, we should be doing this before we start, as we're going through, after we're done, we've got to, you know, cement this in place and, and make sure it's, it's stable so we can build off of this going forward. This has been so helpful. I really appreciate you, Manuel, for your insights and for sharing with us what's going on at Siemens. Thanks a lot, Ben, and really appreciate it to have the opportunity to talk here. And it was really fun to share those insights. Thank you so much again to everybody else out there listening in. Appreciate you for joining us in this episode of We're Only Human as you're making your changes, right? Take some notes today. Go back and listen to this again. Share this with other leaders in your organization who are also thinking about making bigger changes because you'll get some great insights, as you well know. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll catch you next time on We're Only Human. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I'm honored to have you as a listener. If you enjoyed this episode, please take 10 seconds to rate it at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, if you know a friend that could benefit from today's conversation, please pass it their way. After all, a rising tide lifts all ships. To see show notes, sponsor information, and our full show archives, visit OnlyHumanShow.com. 